After so many years, Hashem forgot us, maybe? But that can't be. Can a mother forget her baby? Avraham and Sarah were once all alone, but through their unwavering belief, they became well-known. Okay, so this week's Parsha is Parshat Ekev, and the Haftorah is um, in in Yeshaya, and it's the second um, of the comforting Haftorahs that we read after Tisha B'Av uh, leading up to Rosh Hashanah. So it's the, um, the, the, the second comforting uh, um, Haftorah that we read. The Haftorah begins by saying that Sion says, Azavani Hashem va'adonai shechachini, which means that Hashem abandoned me and my Lord forgot me. Um, and what this is saying is that basically uh, Tzion, the, the, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, is saying throughout all these years, maybe, perhaps, chas um, v'shalom, that, that, that God has abandoned us and that my Lord has forgot me. Um, and this, again, could be kind of, I heard two different elements that, on one hand, God abandoned us, it, it, you know, isn't protecting us anymore, and the other accusation is that God forgot us, that not only is he not protecting us, but he forgot us. Um, and uh, they, uh, I heard that the first temple, perhaps the Azavani Hashem, that, that God abandoned us, is actually talking about the first temple period when the Jews um, were basically abandoned and forced to flee to Babylon. And the second part um, about that maybe God forgot us that was 70 years later um, when the temple was restored. And then eventually once the temple, second temple was destroyed, then it was as if God has forgotten us because it still hasn't been saved all these years later. But God refutes this claim. God says, can a woman forget her baby or not feel compassion for her child in the womb? Um, and the, the point here being is that sort of the maternal instinct that a mother has not to forget her baby, so too that's sort of similar to the way that God views the Jewish people, that just like a mother can't forget her child, so too uh, God can't forget the Jewish people. It's interesting, though, um, as we read a couple weeks ago on Tisha B'Av, that, um, that a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the stories on Tisha B'Av were about how basically mothers did actually forget their children, how mothers, they were so hungry that they, that they went to, you know, uh, such extreme matters. For example, they were eating their children, they sold their children, they did all sorts of terrible things that basically a mother did forget their children. But the Haftorah qualifies that by saying, even if it's possible that a mother somehow in, cer- in a certain situation would forget her own child, um, even though they may forget, the Haftorah says, but I won't forget. God won't forget because he has the, um, the, 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 the bris with us, the covenant with us. Um, and uh, it's interesting here. So it says, even though they may forget, it uses the word um, um, Ela. And Ela uh, in, is, this is a Gemara and Brachos. It's a, it quotes this Pasuk and it says, Ela is referring to the golden calf, that God will be able to forget the golden calf. But what God won't be able to forget, there it uses the word Anochi. And Anochi is famously used in the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, and Anochi is used, I. Um, and that's saying God will never forget that he said that to us. 
Then the Haftorah goes on to say I've in, that God has engraved us um, in his palms and your walls are before me. So what is it? So, so basically he's engraved us in his palms that there's nothing, you know, that um, even though we might think that, that, you know, he forgot us, the reality is he hasn't forgotten us at all. We're as close to him as, you know, the, 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 his own hands um, and his walls, um, your, your walls are before me. Couple interpretations of what this means. One opinion is that your walls is referring to the walls of the base of Migdash. That the destruction of the base of Migdash, I still God still thinks about it. The other alternative is to say that walls are not referring to the base of Migdash, but referring to sort of the guardrails, the walls that Torah protects, and a person that st- that is within the walls of Torah. That person will always be before God. Um, moving on, so it says your children will hasten to return and your destroyers will leave you. Um, and the message here being is that you're, th- these, these destroyers are referring to destroyers of your own people, the, the sort of the, he- the self-hating Jew, so to speak, the, the, the Jew that is trying to destroy other Jews from within through sinachinam, through you know, baseless uh, hatred, that those people ultimately will leave and the people that will stay will be the, the committed children. Then the Haftorah says, raise your eyes and see that, um, that the nation will gather and the people will be like jewels on a bride. So basically when the Jewish people come back to Israel, that, um, that t- come back to the land of Israel, that the people will be like jewelry on a bride, uh, the same way that the Jews are in the land of Israel. Um, so too, it'll be just as beautiful as jewelry is on a bride. Then moving on, it says that... Um, the ruined and desolate land will become crowded, and children that you've lost will say, this place is too crowded for me, for me, move aside so I can dwell. What's interesting here is that we've sort of, uh, what some of the commentaries say, we've already seen this with the modern state of Israel, that before the modern state of Israel was, was uh, created, a lot of the land was desolate, was deserted. There wasn't enough, you know, there, there, it wasn't green there. It was mostly desert. And then once the Jewish people started coming, eventually almost the exact opposite happened. It became so prosperous that it became so crowded. Nonetheless, the Jewish people still look for ways to say this place is so crowded. Nonetheless, move aside so I can dwell. And one interpretation is that's actually somewhat happened, somewhat came true with the modern state of Israel. It's interesting also that they don't go by the famous quote, oh, it's so crowded, nobody goes there anymore. Um, This is actually, even though it's crowded, um, Am Yisrael will say, yeah, I understand it's crowded, but I still want to be there, move aside so I can dwell, and, and perhaps there miraculously will, will be enough space. Then it says, um, you'll say, whose children are these? I wander, you know, I wandered alone in exile. Um, and, uh, and so, so whose children are these? I, I'm not familiar with them. Um, and you could say again that this almost has happened in the modern state of Israel, that there's been all these Jews that have come out of the woodwork in places that we were, you know, not attached to. In places that, that if you were a Jew in one area of the world, you didn't realize that there were Jews in, in those other areas. For example, you have Ethiopian Jews, you have Yemenite Jews, you have European Jews, you have Russian Jews, you have all these different types of people from all over, Indian Jews, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it's like that, that basically the Jewish people will say, who are all these people? I am not even familiar with them and didn't even realize that they were Jewish. Uh, and perhaps we've already seen that some of that happening here um, in, in our modern day and age. Um, 
and uh, and and another point is is that the Jewish people felt like they were a mother that lost their children. But once the Jewish people see all of us gathering together as one in in the land of Israel in the times of Mashiach, will realize that we're not like a mother that lost her children; that we still have our children. Um, then there's an interesting uh, next couple of lines in the Haftorah that the Goyim, the the other nations, that they'll bring um, the Jewish people on their shoulders. Um, the the kings of the other nations will teach the Jewish children. Their princesses will be wet nurses for the Jewish people. Um, they the 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 other nations they will bow to the ground and lick the dust off of our feet. Uh, hard to really understand exactly what this means. Um, you'll know that I am Hashem, um, and those that put hope in me, you will not be ashamed. Um, and then moving on, so it says God Himself will take up our cause. Um, and why is that? It's because um, we, we've seen throughout history that the Jewish people are like a weak captive, are, are like a p- totally powerless um, people. Nonetheless, despite the fact that we're a weak, uh, uh, you know, a weak people, um, nonetheless, God continuously, continuously saves us from seemingly much stronger enemies. Um, and that's why God himself will take up our cause. And um, again, uh, another kind of interesting line here that... Um, God will feed our tormentors their own flesh, and they will be drunk on their own blood. Um, and the commentaries say that the irony is here is that the other nations that picked on the Jewish people thought that thought that the the blood that they were drinking, so to speak, was Jewish blood, but it really turned out to be their own blood. And the point here being is that you look back on history, all the um, many many nations that have tried to. Um, to, that have tried to basically mess with the Jewish people, um, and they they felt like they were you know kind of getting revenge on us. In the end, all of those nations basically ended up drinking their own blood, so to speak. All of those nations ended up kind of being the cause of their own destruction. Um, you know, the list can go on and on. The Nazis, the Spanish Empire, um, you know, the the Egyptians, uh, the Babylonians. Uh, the Greeks, the Romans, on and on and on about all these different nations that thought that they were picking on the Jewish people, but in reality, they were kind of being self-destructive. Um, all flesh will know that I am your savior. Uh, God asks, where is your, where is your um, bill of divorce? Um, and, and which one of my creditors did I sell you to? The point here being, God is asking, yeah, it's true, maybe the Jewish people have not had the Beit Migdash. But God says, where's your bill of divorce? You, you, you know, that God is still, quote unquote, kind of married to the Jewish people, that without a bill of divorce, it might just be a separation, but not a formal separation. Not, not, there's, no, there's no divorce. There's no divorce documents. Um, and similarly, God didn't sell us um, because he was in debt, uh, that, that, um, that the Jewish people and, and God are still together. It's just that he sent us away. Uh, because of our sins, but ultimately in the end, we're still going to be together. Um, and then it says, God has come, but there's ain ish, there's no man. And God has called out, but there was no answer. And um, the point here is interesting, is that, you know, at the beginning of Haftor, I mentioned that the Jewish people ask, God must have abandoned us. But really, it's the other way around. Really, it's that we perhaps have abandoned God, but God, God has has come to us and called to us. Nevertheless, we've never stepped up to our to the plate. No man has been worthy so far of redemption. 
But God, don't blame God for that, the Haftor is saying. Basically, uh, Hashem calls out, but there's no person that steps up to the plate. Um, uh, and, and the point here is that it's actually a positive message. That um, The commentaries say that before Tisha B'Av, we view this as a negative message. We view this that, you know, that, 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 we, are, um, that, that we haven't done enough. But it's really a positive message of Nechama after um, Tisha B'Av to say that, yeah, even though we haven't done enough, God is still there for us. God still calls us. God still sort of is one with us, so to speak. Um, it's just a different perspective. Before Tisha B'Av, we view this as a fault uh, in ourselves. And even though it's basically the same situation, after Tisha B'Av, we view this as a chesed, as a kindness from God. Moving on, so it says, is Hashem chas v'shalem too weak to rescue us? Um, no, the Haftor says, he can dry out seas, he can turn rivers to deserts, and there's going to be rotting fish from the fact that the rivers are, are turned to deserts. Um, and it says, Hashem is so powerful, he clothes Shemayim in darkness, and the uh, Shemayim, the heavens, that they wear sackcloth, um, and that basically the entire world is sort of mourning over the fact that the Jewish people are not where they should be. Um, then it says, my Lord gives me a tongue. This is talking about Yeshaya. Yeshaya says, my, my Lord, Hashem, gives me a tongue to teach and to understand the needs of the time to teach those that thirst for knowledge. The commentaries here say is that it's interesting, even though um, Yeshaya is only teaching those that thirst for knowledge. So basically people that are already excited to learn. Nonetheless, he only teaches uh, his musr. He only teaches his criticism in um, at certain allotted times, at specific times. And the commentary here says is that if we're going to give rebuke to someone, it has to, you, and even if it's someone that wants to hear it, it can't be just at any some random time. You have to say, at this time, in this hour, on this day, I'm going to be criticizing you. And then a person can prepare themselves um, to be criticized. But, it, you know, criticism has to be delivered very, very gently in all the right ways. And one way to do that is to say, at this appointed time, you know, at 7 o'clock on Tuesday, um, I'm going to be giving criticism. And that way a person can prepare themselves. And that's what Yeshaya did. Um, and, uh, and then it says that God, um, awakes me every morning, uh, each morning and he opens my ears and I don't resist to his message. The point being here is that God kind of gives Yeshaya, um, also some criticism, it seems like that Hashem, um, you know, wakes him up every morning and, uh, and, and Yeshaya is willing to listen, even though those words may hurt. Um, then it says, I submit my body to those that beat me. Yeshaya says, Yeshaya says, I don't hide my face from humiliation and spit, for God helps me. Um, so I made my face like hard flint uh, because I knew that I won't be ashamed. So the point here is that even though there's going to be, you know, attacks from other, uh, for, for, from other people, Yeshaya is saying, uh, I have comfort that, um, you know, that, that I, you can spit on me. Nonetheless, I know that I won't be ashamed because I'm delivering God's message. Then it says, whoever is my enemy, um, Yeshaya says, whoever is my enemy, let him approach me. Um, my Lord will help me and my enemy will wear out like a moth, um, like, like a piece of cloth that was eaten by moths. And the, the point here is that it's interesting that the commentaries say that most, you know, anti-Semitism 
is very vague. The enemy, even who the enemy is sometimes isn't clear, is anonymous. It's not clear who exactly the enemy is. It's just kind of lurking out there. And the other point is, is that the enemy doesn't usually give, you know, an, an anti-Semite doesn't normally give um, a definite, you know, reason for why they're being anti-Semitic. They just kind of give like these general vague attacks with no substance and they kind of get away with it. And Yeshaya is saying, if you really have a complaint, don't hide yourself, you know, in a, like a coward. Uh, it says, you know, if you really have a, a complaint against the Jewish people, come out and approach Yeshaya directly with your arguments because he's saying, you know, basically your arguments, first of all, you're afraid to even show yourself. And even if you did show yourself, your arguments have no substance. Then it says, who among you um, fear Hashem, um, our, our Yira Hashem? Um, and it says, though he may, you know, though, though a person that fears God may walk in darkness, he relies on God as his light. Um, and then um, the Haftorah says, listen, road fate Sedek, Mavakshe Hashem, listen, the pursuers of righteousness, the seekers of God, um, look at you know, look, look to the rock that you made, that you were made from to Avraham, to Sarah, um, when they were alone. And I called him to be many. So a few interpretations of what this means that Avraham and Sarah were echad, were, were one or were alone. Um, one opinion is that they were alone and basically they were the only ones that, that believed in monotheism in one God. That's one element. They were alone. Another way that they were alone is, is that they didn't have kids until a very old age. The Avod only had kids, you know, very, very late into their, um, in, 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 into their life. Nonetheless, they never gave up. And similarly, the Jewish people, even though we've gone so many years without being fruitful, without seeing the land of Israel, you know, the, the times of the Mashiach, nonetheless, just like Avraham and Sarah never gave up, so too the Jewish people shouldn't give up. Um, and just like, and, and another similarity, just like Avraham and Sarah, um, that they eventually, you know, that that they kind of had such faith that um, that we still think of them today. Uh, so too, the Jewish people will have such faith that even though times seem bad now, in the end, um, you know, we'll, we'll make a name for ourselves. Then it says, Hashem will comfort Sion and will make her ruins and wasteland like Eden. And there'll be Sason and Simcha. There'll be, there's going to be joy and gladness uh, will be found in the land of Israel with music and with gratitude. So the point being here is that basically the land of Israel will return from being a wasteland into being a, a beautiful garden, like the ancient garden of Garden of Eden, like the ancient Gan Eden. And there's going to be songs, there's going to be joy, gladness, music, gratitude, etc., etc. Uh, to recap what I talked about, so I said this is the second of the Haftorahs of comfort, and the Haftorah begins with saying, um, Zion. Uh, Zion says, Avinu Hashem la Adonai shechechani, that uh, that Hashem has abandoned me and my Lord has forgotten me. That I, I mentioned that perhaps um, Azavini Hashem is talking about the first temple was abandoned in Babylon, and seventy years later it was destroyed. That's what the that's the abandonment, and then the other element is the forget the forgotten part. That once the second temple was destroyed, it's as if God has almost forgotten us. But the um, but but God says no, that's not true. God has not forgotten the Jewish people. Can a woman forget her baby or not feel compassion for her child in a womb? So just like 
Um, a woman would never forget her baby, so too God will never forget the Jewish people. I mentioned though on Tisha B'Av, we read about mothers that actually have forgotten their children, who have were so hungry they ate their own children or sold them, etc., etc. Um, and nonetheless, the Haftorah says, even for those few cases where mothers unfortunately did forget their children, um, God won't forget us. Um, and then the Haftorah says, I've engraved you um, in my palms and your walls are before me. I mentioned a few different, that, that basically, that the point here is that as opposed to thinking that God has abandoned us, it's actually the opposite. It's that God has, has us so close to him, it's like we're on his palms um, and that the, the walls of the Jewish people are before me, um, being that, uh, the, that a couple interpretations of what this means. One is the walls of the base of Migdash um, that are destroyed are before God, um, that basically God never forgets the destruction of the base of Migdash. And, or, or the other alternative is that the walls of Torah uh, protect the Jewish people. Um, and, will always, and, and those that basically are protected by the walls of Torah will always be before God. Another, uh, moving on in the partial, in the, in the Torah, so it says, your children will hasten to return, your destroyers, your destroyers will leave you, um, and one interpretation of your destroyers is actually talking about destroyers within the Jewish people, people that uh, practice sinachina, people that are, you know, uh, hate, hate one another for no reason, those people um, will leave uh, the Jewish people, however, your children, the people that are faithful, will return. And uh, the Jewish people will raise your eyes and see um, that, the, that the nation of Israel will gather together. And um, the, the Jewish people, when they get to Israel, will be like jewelry on a bride. That the Jewish people will look so beautiful in the land of Israel, it'll look like jewelry that's on a bride. Then it says that um, will be ruined and desolate, that the, the ruined and desolate land of, of Israel will become crowded, so crowded that children... That the, 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 the Jewish children will uh, come to the land of Israel and say, this place is, is too crowded for, uh, for me, move aside so I can dwell. I said this is almost one interpretation. This has actually been achieved with the modern state of Israel, that it's become so crowded that it's like, you know, as opposed to being some desolate, deserted place, it's almost the opposite, that it's become so crowded that there's not much space there. And, and the Navi says that that will happen one day, and we can see that's already uh, beginning to take shape. It says... You'll say, whose children are these? I wandered alone in exile, and I thought I was like a mother that had lost her children. And the point here is that, um, you know, uh, that basically there's going to be Jews from all over who we didn't even recognize were Jewish. For, you know, for example, uh, in the modern city of Israel, you see people from Ethiopia, you see people from Yemen, you see people from all parts of Europe, you see people from India, um, you know, the, the list could go on and on, and uh, from 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 Russia, et cetera, et cetera, um, and all these people that it's saying, whose children are these? We didn't even recognize that that we're one nation. Then it says the um, the other goyim, the, the 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 other nations will bring the Jewish people on their shoulders, um, and their the non-Jewish kings will be teachers, and their princesses will be like wet nurses for the Jewish people. They will bow to the ground and lick the dust off of our feet, whatever that means. And um, you'll know that I'm Hashem, that, I, that those that put hope in me, you won't be ashamed. Then it says uh, that, that the Jewish people are like a weak captive. Nonetheless, they're saved from their more powerful oppressor. And that's a sign that God himself will take up our cause and defend us. Then it says um, that God will feed our tormentors their own flesh, and they'll be drunk on their own blood. Um, 
and all flesh will know that I am your savior. And the point here is sort of the irony that throughout many, many, you know, millennia of the Jewish people being picked on by so many different empires uh, and countries, nonetheless, all those people kind of have self-imploded. All those, all those nations have self-imploded. And it's like, even though they thought they were drinking the Jewish, you know, Jewish blood, so to speak, even though they thought they were killing Jews and get, getting rid of them, ironically, in a twist of fate, they sort of were their own, um, they, they, by, by picking on the Jewish people, that was sort of their, their, their road to destruction. Then God says, um, where is your mother's uh, bill of divorce? Um, which creditors did I sell you to? The point here being is that even though the Jewish people and God have sort of separated to a certain extent, where we no longer have the base of Migdash, nevertheless, we have not been, you know, God never has, has never sent us a formal bill of divorce um, uh, being that in the end, we will, we're still sort of married, quote unquote, to, to God, whatever that means. Um, there's no formal divorce and God never sold us, um, to his, to his creditors. Um, and, uh, and, and that in the end that the Jewish people and God will still be one. It's just that we're momentarily separated. Then the Torah says, I've, uh, God has come, but there was in ish. There was no man. God is called, but there was no answer. The point here being is that I spoke about at the beginning of the Torah, maybe we thought that God has abandoned us. Really, it's the opposite. Really, we've abandoned God. God has been there, but none, but nobody was was worthy of redemption. Um, then it says, you know, it, uh, is Hashem Chasvashalom too weak to rescue us? You know, no, that's not true. He can dry seas. He can turn rivers into uh, into deserts with rotting fish. Um, Hashem clothes. Shemayim clothes the he- clothes the heavens in darkness, and he wears sackcloth all the time. Um, and then it says, uh, Yeshaya says, my, my Lord Hashem has given me a tongue to teach, um, to understands to understand the need um, of the times to teach those that thirst for knowledge. And I mentioned that even though um, these people are thirsting for knowledge, nonetheless they still have to be criticized at a certain time. So even if a person wants criticism, you have to understand that you can't just criticize them at any time of the day um, with, no, with, no, um, you know, with no warning. Rather, the correct way to criticize someone is to say, tomorrow at 7 p.m., I'm going to give you criticism. Um, and that way a person can prepare themselves and is ready to accept the criticism. And that's what, even though they're thirsting for knowledge, nonetheless... To really have it penetrate, they need to um, they they need to be given an appointed time for when to expect criticism. Then it says, "God wakes me in the morning; He opens my heart, um, and I don't resist." The point here being is that sort of Yeshaya is saying, "I accept Musar; I accept criticism from God." Um, then Yeshaya says, "I submit my body to those that beat me. I don't hide my face from humiliation and spit, for God helps me. Um, so I make my face like flint rock." because I know I won't be ashamed. So Yeshaya is saying, I'm not afraid of, you know, my body being beaten or my face from being spit on, because ultimately uh, I know that I'll be saved by, by God, it says. Then whoever is my enemy, let him approach me, um, and my Lord will help me, and my enemy will wear out like a cloth that is eaten by moths. 
And the point here is that, you know, anti-Semitism often, the, the anti-Semite hides themselves. They don't reveal their identity. They're, they're too coward to reveal their identity. And even if they did reveal their identity, the arguments that they use are so vague and opaque on purpose um, because if you kind of dug a layer, a layer deeper, they would have no substance. And similarly, that's basically what Yeshaya is saying, is that whoever wants to criticize me, don't hide yourself. Come straight to me. Approach me. Show me yourself. You're too afraid to, but show me yourself. And it says once you show me yourself and you try to say anything, you know, and, and once we get into a discussion about what your problems are, we'll realize that you your arguments have no substance. And it says who among you um, are f- fear God? Um, and though that person may walk in darkness, he relies on God as his light. Um, then it says that listen, the road fate sedek, mavakshe Hashem, that listen, the pursuers of righteousness, the seekers of God, um, look to the rock that I made you from, um, look to Abraham and to Sarah when they were alone, when they were echad, um, and I called him and made him many. And the point here being that Avram and Sarah were echad because um, were, were one or were alone because perhaps they were alone. They were the only believers in one God. Another way they were alone is they didn't have children until late, uh, an extremely advanced age. And so too, just like the Jewish people, it seems like we've gone forever without, you know, seeing the base of Migdash. Nonetheless, we shouldn't give up hope because Avram and Sarah, they didn't give up hope. And ultimately they were successful in, in having children in the end. Um, then it says Hashem will comfort Sion and will make her ruins and wasteland like the Garden of Eden. And there will be sason and simcha, joy and gladness um, that will be found in the land with music and gratitude. So in the end, in the times of the Mashiach, that uh, God will comfort us and the the land that seems like it's ruined now will blossom like the Garden of Eden, um, like Gan Eden, and there will be joy and, and gladness and music, gratitude, um, and ultimately, um, you know, the, uh, ultimately, uh, not only will we be comforted in the land, but we'll be a, a gracious people and we'll understand sort of the whole scope of why everything happened uh, the way that it did and we'll be, we'll be grateful for it. With that, I'll read my poem. After so many years, Hashem forgot us, maybe, but that can't be. Can a mother forget her baby? Avraham and Sarah were once all alone but their unwavering belief, they became well-known. And with that, L'chaim, L'chaim, and this has been uh, the whole half Torah.